Obrigado, Senhor Jesus. Te damos graças, Senhor Jesus. We give you thanks in the name of the Lord. What an honor it is to be with you all today in Harvey, Illinois, outside of Chicagoland, in this area. Uh, thankful for the presence of the Lord that we feel, and I'm sure you all feel as well. Uh, you can be seated in the house of the Lord. Um, so thankful for a church that prays, amen. Thankful for a church that is sensitive to the things of the Lord and for the words that have gone forth and the young man who spoke and God used mightily, amen. Uh, thankful for that. Uh, love, love being a part of an apostolic church. Amen. I hope you do too. It's an apostolic church that lives can be transformed, renewed, restored. People can be healed. Families mended together. I love the church of the living God. And I love that what we feel in Brazil is what we feel here tonight in Illinois. Amen. God is doing an amazing work, as you know, and I'm not going to take a long time. Uh, he's doing amazing work around the world, and Brazil is included in that amazing work. Uh, we're seeing tremendous growth. About four or five years ago, we were here. My wife and I, it was just my wife and I, uh, we did not have all of our children. They say we went down to Brazil and ended up having a Brazilian children. When you become a dad, you get the dad jokes, right? And, uh, <laughs> and when we came down here, we had a burden to start a church. There was no church in the city limits of the largest city in the southern hemisphere and in South America, Brazil, uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, a uh, city of a metropolitan population of 23 million people and growing. So if you think Chicago is big, metropolitan, I looked it up, I think it's around 9 million or so. Uh, so double that and add a little bit more. <laughs> so that's how big the city is. I actually uh, today was able to, I missed the traffic, you know. I, I was able to be in traffic coming over from Juliet, and I was like, man, this feels good. This feels like I'm back home a little bit. Not exactly the same, motorcycles and all that, but it was good to be in traffic today. I know it sounds weird, but I was like, man, I kind of missed it. You're like, okay, this guy really is crazy. Uh, and we, we were here last time saying God was calling us to start a church in the city of Sao Paulo, uh, Brazil. When we went back and, uh, in 2019, we began to uh, do that work before we could even open up our first church in the city of Sao Paulo, Brazil. God had directed us about an hour and a half outside the city in a city named Sumare. And uh, we began to invest in that work. I felt like God was telling us before you're going to do what you want to do, I want to see if you're able to do what I want you to do. And I said, all right, God, you know, these, are side, these aren't sidetracks. These are a part of your plan. And we were able to help get that church off the ground and pass it off to a Brazilian pastor. And uh, I always kind of joke that before we had our church, we had a daughter church. <laughs> and I know that this church loves daughter works. Amen. And uh, we had our daughter church. And then at the end of 2019, we began to start our church in the center of the city of Sao Paulo and had uh, services in a rented room. And we were doing evangelism on the street, and we were seeing God move and do some special things. Uh, and then another challenge arose because there came a family uh, to that church in the center, and they're from the area of Brasilândia. It's like so, like Chicago land. It's like Brazil land. Brasilândia. It's in the northern zone of uh, Sao Paulo. There are 99 neighborhoods in the city of Sao Paulo, and each one are like a city in and of themselves, but they're in the city limits. And he was bugging me, this family, they were like, hey, will you go and start a church in Brasilândia? And I'm like, all right, God, like, can I start my church first, you know? Uh, 
I mean, it's, it's crazy, right? I mean, starting two at once, and I said, you know, I don't think I can do it. I don't think we have the time, the resources. Uh, I don't have a team with me. Uh, it's just me. My goodness, it's going to be really hard. He said, well, then just go up and have some services with us in a house. I said, okay, sure. I'll go up and have services at, at, at your mother-in-law's house. And I remember the first time I we went there, we went up three flights of stairs to the top upper room. Come on, somebody. Woo! <laughs> the upper room of that house in the top where they have uh, this flat area. And I wasn't expecting much. I was expecting maybe a family or two. Uh, there were 45 people that were there that night. Uh, what are you doing to me? I said, all right, just say, well, you know what, I'll come back next week. and Let's see if this is just a fluke or whatever. And the people just kept coming back week after week. So I said, all right, God, we'll start two churches at once. Because that makes sense. Like riding two bikes at once, you know. This is a good time. And uh, God began to move, and we felt led, and we were able to get our first buildings. We, we signed the contracts uh, of those buildings in 2020, in February of 2020. Come on, somebody, 2020 vision, right? Best time in the world to start church. From scratch, my goodness. And uh, the Brasilandia Church in the northern zone, it was a woodworking shop. And uh, being a woodworking shop, it was, so, it was so tore up from the floor up, you know what I'm saying? Uh, just tons of work. We poured into that place, into the center church. We were just, you know, working around the clock. And I'm like, God, you know, you must love this, right, Jesus? This is a woodworking shop, you know. Reminds you of home, right? Our car. Amen. Jesus was a carpenter. Little Bible trivia, if you don't know. And and uh, we we got it all ready for services, right? And um, once we had it ready for services, everything went boom, shut down. And it was, uh, all right, two weeks to flatten the curve. Three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. And, and, and it just kept going on, right? I mean, it, it went way longer than anyone ever expected and could have imagined. And here I am with the new convert churches, two churches, and uh, we're in the middle of COVID, and we just signed the contract to these buildings, and we haven't had services in them. You're like, man, this is the saddest missions presentation I have ever heard. <laughs> and it, Kind of is up to this point, it really is. And um, we're like, okay, God, we can pay the rent for a couple months, but then we really got to just hit it hard. And we got new converts, we don't have a lot of people yet, so we're gonna have to, you know, really. And I'm looking at this like it's a sidetrack, and I'm looking at this like, you know, God's surprised by this, and He's not. He's not. He's got a vision and a point of view that's a little bit different than ours, right? And I'm like, man, if this COVID thing can just, could just go away for a minute, you know, I could finally have church. And we could finally have the will of God being done. And, all. And, I'm, and I'm upset about this because, you know what, money's running out. And we had paid two months of the rent during COVID, and uh, we had the rent due on Monday. It was a Sunday. And I'm like, God, like, what's happening? Now, I don't call anybody. I don't make these calls. I just believe God. Uh, God, if you call me to do this, you're going to make a way. And if you didn't call me to do this, you're gonna, it's going to be very obvious that you didn't call me to do this. And I am the dumbest missionary on the face of the planet to sign two contracts for two buildings in February of 2020. Talking about hearing the voice of God, right? I'm like, man, I really missed it. And I remember we were, uh, it was Monday, coming on Monday, it's all due, the rents, and we didn't have the money. And I said, God, you're going to have to provide. Well, wouldn't you know, I got a call from a pastor friend in Canada. I hadn't heard from him for a while. And he said, hey, Aaron, the craziest thing happened. Uh, a lady from my church called me. They were in, you know, online services and all that too in Canada. 
and she, and she said, hey, do we have a young missionary couple in the city of Sao Paulo? And he said, yeah, we actually do. He said, okay. And she said, okay, well, I had a dream about them last night. And the Lord laid upon my heart to give this amount. Can you make sure this amount gets to them? And wouldn't you know, when you got down to that amount in Canadian dollars and transferred it over into Brazilian reais, it came down to the dollar amount of what we needed to pay for the rent. Come on, somebody. God's, he may not give you a million dollars, but he's going to give you the bread that you need for the day that you're going through your necessity and your issues and your problem. He's not going to leave you stranded. Amen. He's going to make a way. And those things serve every time. God provides for you and he provides for me. You need to make a memorial of it. You need to tell your kids about it. That's what the Bible says. You need to tell them so many times that they're like, oh, my goodness. Really? Here we go again. Yeah, we get it that it was on this Sunday that God. Yeah, I want you to get sick of it. Why? Because I want this to be etched into your memory, not the things of the world, but how God provided for me. How God made a way when there was no way. How he healed your body. How he set you free. Do we have anybody that has a testimony today that can say, hey, God's done it for me and my family. And I'm thankful for it. And I'm going to praise him for it. And I'm going to lift him up and magnify him every chance I get. And I'm sorry, this is not normally how I go in the missions presentation and all that, but I'm just going to flow with it, okay? Is that all right? And wouldn't you know that, you know, we finally got back to having services, in-person services. And, uh, you know, you had to have about 10 masks on and about 20 feet of separation and 18 hand sanitizer stations everywhere. No love for those people that had little cuts in their hands, right? Just kidding. It was down in Brazil, too. And... Uh, we finally were able to get back in the in-person services. I was like, all right, God's going to be, it's going to be awesome, man. It's going to be a blowout service. Woo, come on now. And uh, uh, Tiffany had just had Grant. Grant was just born. So this was the first week of July 2020. And we were finally able to get back into the churches and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and uh, I opened up the church nice and early. And our churches in Brazil, they open right up to the street. You know, it's, 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 it's really nice. <laughs> Especially when the garbage truck goes by and. People, when they sell, they sell fruit from the back of their car and they have a loudspeaker. And you're like, and then Peter said unto them. You're, like, you're trying to compete with the mango selling, seller guy. It's a blast. Motorcycles going by. I love church in Brazil. Y'all got it nice. This is a nice place, man. This is nice. And, uh, but I remember I opened up. And I'm like, all right, people are going to be hungry to get back. You know, it's going to be awesome. Uh, well, service time came and went. And I'm like, well, they're Brazilian. They're going to be late, right? <laughs> it's island time. This is not, you know. They're going to come. They're just going to come a little late. Well, five minutes went to ten minutes. I'm like, all right, well, I'm live streaming. I better, better start. So, and again, I'm by myself. No one. No one's showing up yet. I'm like, all right, let me get on the piano. And I'm not a great piano player. I'm not a great singer. But here I am playing piano, and here I am singing. And all the songs I know on piano are, are in the tone for the, the, the key of my wife. My wife sings in. So you can imagine the train wreck. I'm going, ah, you know, trying. I'm going from falsetto to baritone. Just 
it's a disaster because I'm not a good, again, I'm not a good musician. I'm not able to just transpose and just kind of do this whole thing. I'm like, what am I doing? Anybody even comes by here, they're going to be like, <laughs> they're going to, you know, point their finger and be like, what a poor sap. And uh, when I got up to preach, I'm like, there's still no one here. Can I tell you, it was such a great sermon. The one person that was there, I don't even think prayed at the end of it. I, I, I was so disappointed. I was so upset. I didn't even pray. I'm, I'm like, God, really? But, you know, what I want to talk about tonight is, is the things of God, they're not always just nice, neat, orderly, and clean. We like to think of things like a straight arrow, kind of just going up, 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 whoa. It's not like that. There's a lot of dips and dives and curves and issues and things that happen in between. And if we don't love God and love his process, we're going to abandon it. We're going to look for something else. And we're going to be like, well... I tried giving this week, and you know what? Still broke. Well, I tried praying at prayer, and you know what? It didn't happen. Why? Because we're looking for the end result. We're not looking at the process. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 4, where no oxen are, the trow is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox. In other words, in NLT it says, without an oxen, a stable will stay clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Sometimes we get so mixed up in church that we think the objective of church is to have a really nice, clean, and tidy environment that's catered to our needs cater to what we want, and we look at things like messes, and we think of these as sidetracks to what God is trying to do in our life, like I was, like, God, if you could just give it to this COVID, we could actually have a church. My goodness, what a mess. God, if you could just get the really bad sinners up and out of here and get the really good church people in here, we could actually have a church. But it's not like that. There's an old saying that says that ships, yeah, even though they are made in harbors, we're not made for harbors. The harbor is where it's safest, but it's out in the seas that it was meant to go. It was in the perilous journey that ships were made to run into. And you know what we as believers, you know what we were made for? Going to church? No! We were made to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Missions is not a program of the church. It is the mission of the church to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. No matter how hard it might be, no matter how many detours there may be along the way, no matter how many times we stumble and we fall, we have to preach his word. Because that's what he's called us to do. We love Mark chapter 16 and what Jesus said in his great commission. But what we really fail to recognize and look at is he's saying right in the great commission that there are going to be messes. 
these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name that shall cast out devils. Some people rejoice over that because they ain't never cast out a devil. Because, <laughs> man, the devils that we cast out of Brazil are crazy. <laughs> they're messy, my goodness. All these unclean spirits, and, you know, and they're like, you know, one guy was trying to one time in church, he was, he was, he was trying to reach back, I think, to get his gun or something. I don't know. It's pounding Jesus. <laughs> I don't want to be in that situation. I'm like, God, this better be real. Because <laughs> I feel like if this guy could, he would kill me right now. They shall cast out devils. Woo! It's a mess. It's a lot of tarrying. It's, a, it's, 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 it's work. It's sweat. It's tears to do that. They shall speak with new tongues. Amen. They shall take up serpents. What? What? Whoa, 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 whoa. Serpents? Serious? And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. Why are you drinking something deadly? <laughs> Probably because somebody poisoned your drink. Somebody's wanting to <laughs> you. And we interpret this as, whoo, the Great Commission. Come on, we're going to go into all the world and preach. How did that end up for the disciples? How did that end up for the first apostles of this church? Come on, somebody. The harvest is dirty. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of dirt and grime. And the objective of the church is not to maintain a clean stable and have an empty harvest field that is not being reached. The objective of this church is to go into all the world and to reach the people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we're not careful we begin, begin to believe that the objective of the church is inside the church. I love the church. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves one to another. Especially as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Because the day of the Lord's approaching. We need to get in church. Every time the doors are open. But God help us if we believe that the objective of the church is inside the church only. Can I tell you the greatest growth we had in our churches was not in the church building itself. It was outside of the church building. Prayer walks, laying hands on the sick on the street and seeing them recover and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the mission of the church. The mission of a battalion is not to just stay on base. It is to engage in the battle. And a battle is going to take everything out of you. A lot of times we have clean stables and we have empty fields. But where the ox is working, there's a mess. But by the strength of the ox, the Bible says there's going to be a great harvest. You know what's funny about when you do really deep cleaning, right? Some of you guys looking at me like, what? What, what does that mean? When your wife does deep cleaning, I should say. Is when you're pulling things out from under couches and you're moving things around. You're taking the books off the shelf and, you know what I'm saying? Some of you guys still like, uh. When you get into deep cleaning, you know what happens? It gets messy before it gets cleaner. 
because you're pulling things to the surface. You're making progress. You know what happens in a church that's in revival? Things get messy. Things get messy. We love the book of Acts, right? I hope so. I did not get many amens. I thought I would get a little bit more on that. We love the book of Acts, right? Woo, Holy Ghost. 3,000. The beggar at the gate, beautiful, is healed. 5,000 believe. But wait a minute. They're arrested and brought before a council and told, hey, you better shut up or else. And I don't think they had the courage to say, or else what? I think they kind of knew what, what the or else was. But here we go, book of Acts, we're, we're, we're gearing back up. They're sharing in their possessions, right? Woo, they're selling homes and land and all this. And the mission of the church is being reached. But here comes Ananias and Sapphira and everyone's like, ooh, they're dead. Because they lied to the Holy Spirit. What a revival. We had a great revival. Our church is now two people short. Little Ananias and Sapphira joke for you. <laughs> That's the book of Acts. But wait a minute, here they go. They're going out into the streets, and, where, and what's happening on the streets? They're passing people, and their shadow is healing those who they're passing. Woo! Praise God, what a great revival! Shadows! Oh, the disciples are healing people. Wow, I've never seen that. Have any of you seen that? I haven't seen that yet. I want to see it. Amen. I believe we're going to see it. But wait a minute. Here comes the mess. They're arrested again. But in the middle of the prison, the angel of the Lord comes and whoop, whoop, opens that door. Wow. But wait a minute. Great miracle happens. They're flogged. They're, that means they're beat. How many of you like getting beat up? But now we have a man named Stephen. What a great man of God. Stephen doing great miracles and works by the name of Jesus. And he has the longest message in all of Acts. The longest message in the shortest ministry. Young ministers, listen. <laughs> a little Stephen joke too. Stephen's doing a great job. Oh, no, Stephen's dead. Oh, oh, no, he's being stoned. But wait a minute. His clothes are being laid at the feet of a man named Saul. What are you saying? I'm saying time after time we only focus on the highlights of Acts. And we don't realize that between each event of a highlight there is a whole big mess that's going on. Why? Because there's a great harvest that is being brought in in that moment. Come on, somebody. You got to get comfortable with the mess. You got to get comfortable with the muck and the dirt and the grime of day-to-day -day life. And when nobody shows up to prayer and when nobody shows up to the church plant that you're starting, you got to get comfortable with it. Why? Because in the middle of the mess, God is going to show up. And God is going to be God in that situation and declare light in the middle of darkness and bring about a harvest. And I'm going to come to a close here. I, I learned a long time ago, I learned a long time ago to stop getting sidetracked by the messes. Stop. Because it's in the mess that God is 
producing something in me and in you. Every time there's a hill or a mountain to climb, it's for us to climb so that when we get to the top, we realize, God, you've been there with me all along. You've provided for me. You've, you've been my Jehovah Jireh. You never left me. You've never forsaken me. You've always been there for me. We love revival reports, and I'm all about them. That church that we started, and there's nobody there after COVID. I left right now. Now, a few years later, and this is not, I almost hate these deputation presentations because I don't want to sound like it's bragging. It's all God. I'm nobody. I'm just trying to do what God's wanting to do. And we're in a metropolitan area. Y'all are in a metropolitan area. Metropolitan areas are hard. And we were leaving our churches that daughter work that we first started, that first daughter work without, without the mother, you know, is starting another daughter work. Those two churches begin to flourish. They're paying their own bills. Amen. When I left both services, we had around 50 or so in attendance in each of those churches, those four churches that we were able to plant in just these four years in COVID. Why are you saying that? Because in the middle of the mess, if I had gotten so disgusted by how dirty the stable was, I would have abandoned the field. Can I tell somebody here today, you may be disgusted with how dirty it is going right now in your life, but don't abandon the field. Don't abandon what God has called you to do. Don't stop evangelizing. Don't stop speaking the word of God. Oh, but somebody made fun of me. Continue preaching the word of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I've never met a clean farmer. Dirty. Y'all like eggs? It's a, it's a precious item now. Lots changed in America since I've been back. Whew. It's like, whoa, you're eating eggs. Must be nice to drive a Mercedes. Most people who eat eggs never been to the hen house. I love a good ribeye. Anybody love a good ribeye? In Brazil, we have picanha. It's, Brazil is the home of meat, y'all. Number one exporter of beef. Come on, somebody. Woo. I'm so sorry if you're fasting. Forgive me, please. We love a good cooked steak, but we don't, we don't want to see the slaughter. I want it in the, that, 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 that nice package, you know, in the grocery store. I don't, I don't want to see the blood. I don't want to see the mess. I put it like this. A lot of times we want revival without prayer, sacrificing, and giving, and staying, and tearing in the presence of God. There is a price that has to be paid. Oh, there is a price that has to be paid. We, we want heaven without ever having to take up our cross and follow him. Oh, I want to follow you, Jesus, but I just don't want to deny myself. Oh, help us, Lord. Can I submit that most who come to the church and they see the finished product of what we are, they see a facade, right? 
But what they don't realize is that it was in a mess that the hand of the Lord reached down. And it offered you a hand when nobody else would. Oh, aren't you glad that Jesus, that God robed in flesh, would leave his heavenly throne? The splendor of glory. Oh, you can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what it would be like. And he would robe himself in flesh. And he would come to this earth not to dwell amongst kings, but to dwell amongst sinners, lepers, adulterers, unclean. Oh, I will lean in the old rugged cross. Come on. Does anybody remember what that old rugged cross was like? It was dirty. Oh, it, it, it wasn't a clean scene at all. No, but that was where salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ came and it reached you and it reached me and it gave me life. What are you saying today, missionary? I'm saying that we've got to get beyond our preference of comfort. We like comfort. Comfort foods, comfort cars, comfort shoes, comfort recliners. In Brazil, we have the, 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 the worst furniture on the planet. I'm telling you, it, 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 it's, you feel five boards of wood. It, it, it's like, is this not meant to sit in? It will hurt you after 30 minutes. You're like, okay, I got I, I, I to gotta stand up. Here, I'll just lay down on this wood floor. We love comfort here. And we love when businesses cater to us, don't we? Oh, they made me feel good. I'm not going back to that restaurant. They made me wait a little too long. I don't like going to that place because they don't even have a drive-thru. They don't deliver. Y'all in America, they're putting your Target bags in the back of your car. I'm like, what happened in America? What, what is this? You used to go to places to meet people and... Someone in a church was like, it's been over two years, I think, since I walked into a department store. I get everything delivered. And I get, they just bring the bag out to my car. I went from walking 2,000 steps a day to walking 10. But if we're not careful, we take that mentality into the church. What can you give me? What can you do for me? I think the chairs could be a little bit more comfortable. Do you think this is for you? This is for him. This is for his kingdom. This is, this is not about me. This is not about what I want. This is not about my comfort level. This is not about come to church and just be patted on the back and said, oh, you're doing a great job. No, it's about being confronted in my mess. So that I can find Jesus. And, and maybe before things get really clean in my life, they're going to get really dirty in an altar. <laughs> oh, 
There was a process that was given to Israel in the tabernacle. When you sin, you're going to bring a sacrifice to the tabernacle. And the best thing about the tabernacle was enclosed in the tent. It was hidden from the eyes from outside. But what was open and open view to everyone was the largest piece of the tabernacle. It was the brazen altar. It was the altar of sacrifice. It was the altar that represented a mess. It was the altar that was dirty. It was the altar that had bloodshed. It was the altar that smelled a little bad. And we think an altar call is just a bunch of saved people. No. An altar call is where we find Jesus. An altar call is where we recognize our mess and say, hey, if this thing's going to get better, it might need to get worse for a second because i got to repent of some things. i got to bring my flesh to the altar. Come on, i got to confess my sins. Because if it's going to get better, if I'm going to see the glory of God, I have to go and I have to pass through the mess in my life. And I have to sacrifice. And repentance is not clean. It's dirty. It's not filled altars that make the biggest difference and eternal impact. Oh, I want to get to the altar of incense and smell the sweet savor. And I want to see the candelabra, and I want to see the, 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 the table of showbread, and oh, what wonderful pieces those are, but I have to look at the mess in my life and recognize that it's not as good as it looks, and I have to say, God, I need you. Oh, God, will you, will you speak to me? God, will you use me? God, will you have your way in my life? We had, just a few weeks ago, in our, in our, in our house down in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, we live in, in Sao Paulo, it's, it, it, it's a dangerous area, and uh, the people taking care of our house, this couple that's helping in the church, they left for church. When they came back from church, the gate had been broken down, and the door of our house had been broken into. These bandits had come in, and they had just ransacked our house. And it's not even what they stole, it's just sense of security and all of that that happened. And when that happened, it was on a Saturday. We were in Iowa on deputation. I turned to Tiff and I said, God's doing something. What do you mean? I said, watch, God's doing something. He's moving. Because if I, if I was not on the right track, the enemy would not be opposing us. And I told our leaders, I said, hey, don't worry about us. Things can be replaced. I want you to be sensitive tomorrow in service because God's going to move and God's going to do something in that service. That was on a Saturday. Our house was ransacked. Things were stolen. All of that happened. On a Sunday, four people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and were baptized in the name of Jesus in our church in the center of Sao Paulo. Why? Because in a great harvest, there is a great mess. A great harvest, there is a great mess. You know what I love seeing at church? Hungry people. Sinners and saints. Lifting up their hands and saying, God, will you move in my life? Will you move in my marriage? This church was not made to be a super clean, sanitized environment. No, it, it, this place was meant to have a few messes in an altar. 
Because God's moving in the midst of the mess. There's a couple times, and I don't say this lightly, but you can believe me or don't believe me, but I believe that I, I've been in the presence or seen angels. And I would like to tell you that they were in great services and just this great, amazing time, but it wasn't. First time was I, I was in Brazil, and I fell about, this was almost 10 years ago, I fell over about 20 feet, broke my back, my ribs. I had to have spinal surgery in a public hospital system in Brazil. Uh, could not move my feet. It was hard to walk. I, I, I couldn't walk until the surgery. And I barely spoke Portuguese. The Portuguese that I didn't know was not medical jargon. So they would explain to me in Portuguese what was going on, and I would have no idea what they were saying. I would request someone to translate, and they, sorry, no can do. Nobody speak English here. No, no follow up. English aqui. Okay. And it was a day of the surgery, and I was wheeled into the, to, to the room, the operating room, and uh, it was 6 in the morning. Everyone was asleep pretty much, and I know people were praying for me, and I was praying, and I was, before going, I was listening to some music. I was just worshiping God. I was saying, God, I want you to have your hand on the surgery. I don't even know what's going to happen. Imagine going into a surgery, but you don't even know what the surgery is. It's a mess. It's a mess. But in the middle of the mess, there's God. In the middle of the chaos, God it moves. And I was brought onto the table, and before I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting prepared and everything, and the room, and they all have their surgical gear on, and this man comes up behind me, and in perfect English begins to speak to me. And tell me, it's going to be all right. There's going to be some pain afterwards, but you're going to be all right. You don't need to worry about anything. We got under control. I remember feeling peace in that moment. They put the mask on, and I went to sleep, and I woke up later on from the surgery, and everything was all right. The surgery went great. And I asked, I said, hey, where, where, where's the guy who spoke great English? You guys have been holding out to me this whole week I've been here. Nobody talking to me in English about what's going on. They're like, we didn't have a guy in the surgical room who spoke English. Why? Because in the middle of the mess, God sent his messenger to say everything is going to be all right. You don't need to worry about this. There was another time, and, and, and some of you know our story. Tiffany and I, we've been trying to have children. We tried to have children for over seven years. Doctors, we tried every kind of thing that could happen. We never did IVF, anything like that. But we, nothing ever worked. Nothing, 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 nothing. And it was years and years, and there was a promise of God given to my wife that she was going to have a child, and it was going to have a child, a boy in Brazil. And this was five years before Grant was even born. And finally that came to pass, and we found out that we were, expecting, and Grant was born, and he was healthy. He's a beautiful, beautiful child. He's two and a half. He's in Joliet right now, and he's my little buddy. Four months old, we were walking in the Avenue de Paulista, which is the main avenue in Sao Paulo, Tiffany and I, and uh, I, feel like we're, I feel like we're going to do something. We were getting some documents or something, but as we're walking, it's the main avenue, so there's, so there's tons of people everywhere, and we're just pushing Grant in the stroller, and we were talking, Tiffany and I, were, we wanted to have another child, and God was like, you want another child? <laughs> Here. And because I literally heard God chuckle when the triplets were born. <laughs> no, just kidding. And we were talking, like, man, if we have another child, are, what are we going to do? Because we're living in a two-bedroom apartment on the 24th floor of a building. We had to walk across this whole garage and this whole thing. I'm like, man, like, it's not really conducive for children. Like, I'm having nightmares and panic attacks with our, 
or four months old, like when he starts walking, imagine 24 forts. It's, 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 it's high up. And uh, Sao Paulo is a big city, so it's all apartments pretty much. Houses are so rare to find. They're so hard to find. And they're really expensive. And we're like, man, we'd have to go way outside the city to live in a house, but then we're not going to be near our churches. And God's called us for the churches. And we're talking about this whole conundrum in our mind about what, what's going to happen and all this, you know, because God cares about us, right? Yeah, he cares about global harvest and everything, obviously, but he cares for you. He loves you. He cares about what you care about. Amen. And we were walking, and we saw there was this, and we had stopped talking about this and what, what we were going to do about our housing, anything like that. And there was this old man selling gum on the street. And as we're walking and passing, uh, Grant's in the stroller, he's like, oh, what a, what a handsome boy he is. I'm like, oh, thank you. And he's like, hey, don't worry about your house. God's going to provide a house for you for all your children to play in, and it's going to be exactly what you need. Like, praise the Lord, prophet gum man seller. Amen. Woo! Come on, I'll take a word wherever I can get it. I'm like, yeah, amen, amen. God's going to provide. Well, fast forward, we never saw the guy again, okay? Months later, Tiffany took the pregnancy test at home. It was positive. And we were like, okay, cool, let's see. And the doctor's like, all right, go down to the medical office and get her blood drawn and all this kind of stuff. It's the same place. We're like, okay, we're going to go down to the medical office. So Tiffany's getting her blood drawn at the labs, and I'm pushing Grant the same street in the stroller, same stroller, and I see the gum salesman guy, old guy again. I'm like, huh, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to see. Like, this, this might just be a gum salesman. <laughs> Big revelation. He might just be selling chiclet. And uh, I'm pushing Grant in the stroller, and same kind of deal. What a handsome boy. He's like, hey, does he have any siblings? I'm like, no, not yet. He's like, oh, well, he'll have three. I'm like, what? Now, this, mind you, Tiffany just took the pregnancy test, okay? The blood's being drawn. Like, this is way in the beginning. And I tell Tiffany after, I'm like, hey, so I saw the gum salesman. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And he asked if, we had, if Grant had any siblings. No way. He said we're going to have three. Ha, <laughs> ha, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> One month later, ultrasound, the doctor's like, Ave Maria, what? Trigemius. Triplets? I started laughing. Tiffany started crying. It was the whole thing. <laughs> Never saw the guy again, okay? Now we really needed a house. Going back to the first word he spoke over our life. I'm like, all right, God, we really need a house because there's no way we're bringing triplets up the elevator and across the garage into the 24th floor of our two-bedroom apartment. God, how are we going to do this? We have a fixed budget. We're missionaries. We're not rich. Why don't you know that God provided a house? Four bedrooms, four bathrooms with a full garage house. And get this, $50 a month more than what we were paying for a two-bedroom apartment that was... Three times smaller. What, what are you saying? That in the middle of your mess, God's about to move. He's about to work. Come on, somebody. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't start thinking that God's forgotten about you. He knows exactly where you're at. He'll send angels to you to give you a message. He'll send angels you can't even see to war on your behalf. That's the God that we serve. Can we come to a stand across this place?
Hallelujah. Come on. Give him a hand clap of praise across this place. Come on. Begin to worship him in expectation. I'm not here just talking about all the things that God's done for me. I want to see what God's about to do for you. Come on. Come on, somebody. I want to end right now here. I didn't get around to the video. Please stay standing. That, that God is, and, and, and I felt with, with, with Brother Wellman, what he said. God is going to confirm something to somebody here this night. There's somebody that's looking for a confirmation, and God's going to give you that. He's going to give you that. But for that to happen, and, and, and please, I want us to, to get back into that spirit of prayer. I want us to have a different kind of altar call. I, I want to call us to the altar. Everyone who will, would you come to the altar? And this is what I felt here, and I've never done this, okay? And I don't do this. Oh, I feel the presence of God right now. I wonder if you can close your eyes, everybody here. But before we begin to lift up our voice and lift and 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 and, and begin to speak, and, and because this is what I felt from God, We're, we talk so much sometimes that we don't allow God to speak into our soul, into our church. Come on, can we come in here? I believe right now that God's going to move. I wonder if we can have just someone on the piano. Just, but just lift up your hands all across this place. And I want us to begin to just tarry in the presence of God. I want every mind, every mind's eye, every heart focused on him who's going to give you the response. Yes, come on. I wonder if we could just begin to open up our hearts just a little bit. I don't want you to just launch off into the deep right now, but I want you to just lift up your hands, lift up, lift up your heart, and just say, God, I want you to speak to me right now.